Oh, I got his ass now. <laughs> My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm, a, I'm about to light this shit up. James. James, you there in Australia, bro? You there? Are you there? Hey, everybody. I'm here, and I am stoked to be doing another podcast. I know, bro. I'm stoked, too. I just miss you here in studio. I know. I feel like it. You know, like we always talk about it, it isn't the same when I'm this far away. It just doesn't have that same no, feel. But I don't get. Know, I like. I like to be. I like to be on here from afar still. I know. I don't get as excited to podcast because it's just me alone in the basement running an absolute operation. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I feel bad. I, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. No. So show 39 today. Yeah. First show of the new year. 2020 Olympic year going to be big start of the season two of coffee chatter James season one went really well thanks to everyone for listening and that was pretty cool that we had so much support last year the first year of the show honestly it really was like we we talked about it before that like we had no idea how this was going to go and to have it you know be such a success and have so many people kind of support it come on board it's been so much fun I know. Remember when we first started it and you're like, dude, how many people are you going to, or how many people do you think you're going to listen? I was like, dude, I don't know if it's going to be like 10, 30, a hundred, a thousand. I had no idea. We had no idea. We were like, if we had a hundred views or a hundred listens on the first one, we'll be okay with that. Yeah, we're, like, we're just trying to have some fun and talk shit, right? <laughs> we're like, if we got a hundred, yeah. that would be a super good. We had 300 in like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so fun. I know. So thanks everyone. Show 39. we got a big guest, Caroline Buchanan, Aussie superstar, multi-time world champion in BMX and mountain bike. Um, it'll be interesting to talk to her. She's coming back from injury and a bit of a break from BMX. So it's going to, it's going to be really cool to see her race in Australia at the world cup. So it's going to be interesting to talk to her. Yeah. She's going to have one heck of a comeback. Uh, we, hey, we don't want to forget. Thanks to ProGate Europe for coming on board. Winning starts with a great date. And yeah, as we know, Caroline has had some great big dates in the past. She's what multi-time world champion, multi-time world cup winner. Uh, and she's had some killer dates. So it'll be interesting to see if she uh, is back in form when she, when the world cups get here to Australia. Yeah. And she's, she's won a lot of world cups coming from behind too, like passing them the last straight. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. She seems like she's had some, like a good head on her shoulders when it comes to uh, putting together a, a pretty full package. I would think at the races. Yeah. So I'm excited to, uh, to watch her in Australia. Um, this past yeah. weekend, James, before we get into you in Australia, this past weekend, we had, yeah. the, we had the annual, uh, first supercross round of the coffee chatter fantasy league. Oh yes, we did. So let's, let's talk. How'd it go? Dude, I got worked. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I was sitting, so, so we have a coffee chatter fantasy league, like we said last show, uh, for uh, monster energy supercross. And we got like, what we got 14 people now, 13 people, something like that. Yeah, 14. It's pretty good, hey? It's pretty legit, yeah. So the last week was That's the first last round. Last year we had four of us. Yeah, so 14 people. We're pretty sick. We got a legit league. I think I got, I was somewhere in the middle of the pack, like sixth or seventh. Uh, my team would have been good, but uh, one of my dudes in 250 was running top 10, and then all of a sudden he just DNF. So I don't know what happened to him. And then a couple guys in 450. Oh. I won't name their names, but they screwed me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, fantasy is the one thing you don't, it's not until you start playing fantasy that you actually give a shit about watching the LCQ because then you're just yelling at the guy and going for fourth place in the LCQ, just like praying he makes it in. I went safe too. I went with guys that I thought would be in the main for sure, like within the top 10, 12. Yeah. Didn't work. Didn't pay out, did it? No, it didn't no. work. How'd you do? Uh, no, I, I shit the bed too. <laughs> I, I, tried to, <laughs> I tried to play it safe and make sure I had eight guys in the finals, but then... Yeah, I wish I was doing that. 
And then 250, I took one gamble and 250 on the Aussie kid, actually, because we're in Australia. Are you shitting me? I, had a, <laughs> I picked him thinking he had a good handicap. I heard he was oh, fast. Clout? Was and then clout? he didn't even make the fine. Uh, uh, clout screwed me. Hey, Tatum? I heard he didn't do very good mm. either. Who did I pick? Some Tatum guy, Tate, Tatum? Yeah, anyway, so that was fun. Uh, thanks for all the Coffee yeah. Chatter fans for signing up. Yeah, it was really cool. Cool uh, have so many people playing. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, you and Remainer in Oz, how are the the, the, the fires down there? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, we sure are. We're, I'm currently in the car with Romaine. For anybody that doesn't know this, okay, it's his first time driving on the wrong side of the road because I've been driving this whole time. And uh, I'm a little concerned. I make sure I have my seatbelt on right now. <laughs> Put that out there. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, we were up in Bathurst for a little bit. We spent like uh, four or five days there just kind of riding the track, getting to know the area. And the weather was actually fine, to be honest, for the first few days we were there. it Just the last day we went to ride, uh, it must have been from all the wind the day before, but yeah, a bunch of smoke rolled in and it definitely was not healthy to be riding in the conditions we were. But yeah. I mean, we got we got a session in, took good breaks. You know, we had these little, some guy gave us some little um, air quality masks to put on. So we were just putting those on between rounds and made it work, but I'm, I'm sure that if there was the world cup and it was as smoky as it was, it would, I feel like they might even cancel it. Cause it definitely wasn't healthy to be doing that much exercise in that, in that no, weather. hundred percent. Like I was actually thinking, do you think they're going to cancel it or should I say, do you think they should cancel it? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think I don't want to say for them to cancel it. Cause it seems lame just cause it's like a little smoky, but no, a little I, like, smoky do the, <laughs> the country's on fire. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. Fuck. That's true. We've had the experience of like the fires at home and we've like been kind of aware of how bad it is to be doing as much exercise in that condition Yeah, in there in those kind of conditions. So trying to do a full race day, breathing in all that smoke, I can't see how that would be healthy. And, um, I would honestly, I would hope that they would find a way around it or maybe I don't, I don't want to say cancel because I hate when things get canceled, but it doesn't seem smart to be running in those, in that kind of smoke. No, I know. Like one of the days you guys rode looked pretty clear and then I guess the winds changed and then all of a sudden a bunch mm-hmm. of smoke rolled in, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, it was super windy. Um, the day, the last, the day before the last day we rode and yeah, it was just, we woke up, the whole house was all like, you could tell it just smelled like smoke. Even my gear now Jeez. that I haven't washed it yet. Cause we, we came right to Gold Coast. It yeah. still smells like smoke from riding. Jeez. That's scary. Yeah. That's pretty so. gnarly. Wow. And it's scary to just see how much of like the, the country is burning, honestly. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, like thoughts are going to all the Australians and yeah, their country is going through a tough time and, um, hopefully, yeah. hopefully stuff gets resolved soon. There's been people that have died. Yeah. There's been tons of animals that have died and, you know, obviously the landscape is being desecrated, which is awful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been pretty cool to see. I've seen like a few of the riders, I think like Anthony, um, Sakaki Barra's, uh, maybe some other people just doing some little ways to raise some money, like to, to donate basically to the cause. Cause I'm sure anything they can get is helpful right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you guys were just in, uh, Shepperton, right? Uh, no, just Bathurst. We, oh, we Bathurst. just rode Bathurst the whole time. Right. Yeah. How was it? Um, the track track, let me tell you a little bit weird. I'll be honest. It looks a bit weird. Um, it, it does look like yeah. we talked about it before, but it looks a bit weird. Yeah. So like, I'll give like more of a politically correct answers. I'll try to say, cause I mean, I'm not going to say it's crap, but it's very downhill. First of all, um, it, it's almost dangerously fast in some areas in my opinion, but Yikes. it's not like things are too small that it's like the jumps are too small. The jumps are very tiny, but you can still push through them. Yeah. So it's fine. 
a few weird spots like going into the second turn it's like you have a football field wide area going in so if you're in front you don't you can't really protect your line and if you want to take a like a quick line around the turn so that's going to be pretty interesting um and then yeah the last trade is just dumb i don't, I don't know why they <laughs> built the last i don't know why they built the last trade a table roller you literally come out of the turn like roll onto the table jump off onto the roller and the finish line's right there and it's like cool sweet so there was no last trade wow that's gonna wow yeah that's gonna be really interesting yeah. But on the positive side, we'll talk positives. Um, you know, they got a ProGate Europe up on the hill. Thing is bitching. Yeah, they, they do. Tell you. Yeah, they one. do. Yeah, they do. That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> 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 um, and then, yeah, good hill. Like, the, the, no transition to the hill. But uh, a big big hill just to rip down and then a uh, big first turn. Um, so that's, that's pretty nice. That's good. It's going to be interesting what we're going to do when we have to finish the lap and walk back up the hill because doing a full day of that is going to be an absolute burn. So do you think the track is going to be good for racing or not? Um, in my opinion, no, I don't really think so. Um, I think after you get around the first turn, um, you could see some battles down the second straight because it's pretty long, but at the same time, it's very basic. Um, it's not difficult to, to get well. So after you do that, I think it's going to be, once you get out of the second turn, you're just going to play a little bit of single file. Um, you might be able to make a pass or two into the last turn, um, but obviously, and then after the last turn, there's just nothing. And we all know, like, the last straights is a great place for people to kind of make a last-ditch effort to, to get that spot. Man, I can't believe the World Cup season is upon us already. It seems like it just ended. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, James. Because <laughs> get- You are. Now that you're not, you're not racing, you're just, like, a super fan, hey? Dude, no stress. I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy the show. You really can. You can finally get to just actually, like, honestly sit back and enjoy. Seriously, like I actually just get to go to the event, see all my friends, dick around, like joke around, do a bit of work, interview riders, have some fun, be a fan. It's seriously the best job. Well, right, racing is the best job in the world. I got the second best job now. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you do second best for sure. Yeah, racing is the best job in the world. So what, this is a close second because yeah, it, tr- it's funny. Like when you're racing, like I always did my best to, especially the last few years, I always did my very best to enjoy the races and stuff but when you're so focused and mm-hmm. stressed the whole day is like you, it's really hard to do that and now like i'm not stressed and i can just really take the whole event and it's it's a lot of fun yeah i think that's so cool it's cool that you can have a different perspective now and just see it that way and, and just see how awesome our sport really is i know and it, it's funny too because when you're racing too you don't get to watch much racing but you pick up on a lot more and you get to see all the laps like you can totally tell who's yeah. probably going to do well that day and everything yeah, no doubt. You get to see who's being consistent, who's running up front all day. You're right when you're racing, you see your race and maybe one others, and that's about it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Um, so we got this question so, from. Are you uh, going to be doing the? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you going to be doing the the commentating there, riders' corner, or what's the plan? Yeah, riders' corner. Um, I heard Jay Rich isn't going to the, to uh, the second Aussie World Cup, so they haven't told me, but. Uh, I think it's possible I might be in the booth for that one, but maybe I'll get someone local. I don't know. But um, yeah, cool. at least the rider's corner for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. Would you want to do the commentating again if they asked you? Yeah, it's fun, to be honest. I, like I, when I did it at the Worlds, yeah. I really liked it. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty challenging. And um, I think me and Rich made a good team. So um, yeah, I'd be down to do it again if they needed me. And if not, I, I like doing the rider's corner too. It's a bit yeah, different. Both seem like good roles. Yeah, it's a bit different because the, the commentary you're literally in there for whatever, six hours nonstop just talking. And so you're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're pretty busy, but the rider's corner, 
like I have to get prep for the interviews and schedule the riders and make sure I get them and stuff. But then when I'm not doing that, I'm just kind of hanging out watching the racing. And then I got to, it's a little bit stressful because then you got to make sure the riders come in time and all that. But it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of completely different. But kind of like you have a little more freedom outside of what the, your, your actual job kind of, which is good. Yeah, exactly. You can socialize a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, just been playing golf, James. Went to the range yesterday and today. Yeah, I just been living, hey? Dude, my game is getting tight out there. And you told me your score the other day and like I was I was impressed for like basically like a first round back this year on the course. You you were shooting hot. Took a few weeks off, didn't went to the range like twice, hit it terribly. I was going to this round thing and boy, like weather conditions are bad. I haven't played the course. Like I'm not gonna be expecting much. I'm just gonna go out there and shake the rust off and I shot at eighty four, so I was pretty stoked. That's sick. I that is sick. For anybody that doesn't know, that is sick. All okay. Right? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the seventies really soon. Like when I go to Phoenix, uh I go to San Diego next week for a week with Savvy, and then I go to Phoenix with my friends for a golf trip. So we're gonna play golf every day for a week before Australia. Dude, I'm going in the seventies that week. I feel it coming. Yeah, what a time to be alive. That's it's gonna happen there. It's Absolutely. gonna happen. Absolutely. I'm gonna sell you like a golf mecca. Like I just want a World Cup, I'm gonna sell you when I put on eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do. I want to see, like, I want a champagne bottle popped at the end of the night, just going at it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> the, people, the people in the clubhouse are just going to be looking out the window like, what the hell is this guy? This is why we don't let it. these young guys on the course. <laughs> <laughs> now these jackasses again. Um, no, so we, so we, we got this question from um, G Claret 14. He said, Hey guys, question. I've, I'm just starting BMX at 32. Been riding for about a month now, hitting the track at least once a week. During the rest of the week, what's some training I can do at home? Things on the bike that I can do in the gym and that's not done on the track besides sprints and sending starts. Maybe you cover this next episode if you get a chance. Thanks. What do you think, James? Um, well, hearing like... Oh, how to schedule... For things that he could do on the bike. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah. You, so this guy, it sounds like he's asking for a little bit obviously uh, some things in the gym, what he can do. I think nowadays you're seeing a lot of the BMX riders starting to um, incorporate Olympic lifts into their workouts. So um, learning the form for Olympic lifts and then being able to do those in the gym, I think is great. And then we all know just doing plyos and squats is huge for BMXers. Yeah. You can keep it pretty basic in the gym if you wanted to, like just stick to, I don't know, you squat or box squat with some box jumps, depth jumps, bit of upper body. You keep it fairly basic and then you, that actually goes quite a long way. It really depends on how, like, uh, like I said, how basic or not you want to get with it. Because you can, you can see people out there that are just, you know, squatting and jumping, squatting and plyos all the time, and they, they make it work well. Or you can just start to get a little bit, you know, do some crazy things like the French do. I've seen Amadou online do some, some really random stuff in the gym. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like, starting at BMX at age 32, if you want to just keep it basic, do, like, squat, box jump, and some upper body, and you'll <laughs> that'll help you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Even if you yeah, just go, funny, it doesn't take much at the no. beginning to really like help yourself at the first. No, just yeah, maybe once or twice a week and do some sprints, do some from a standing start, some rolling. Say like I don't know, start with like thirty meters with from a box, and then do some, maybe some few longer rolling rolling ones, and uh, that'll go a long way. Mm-hmm. My big thing I've been thinking or noticing now is I really like variety. I like variety in my my training. Oh, so it's key. I mean, like doing different things on different days. It really just makes you like. Obviously, it's nice to be able to do something a little bit consistent so you can um, watch your progression on that. But having variety just like to do what that happens. Yeah, you have, you, 
consistent, like, uh, changing it up is key because when you train year after year and all that, it gets really repetitive. And like when you open your program mm-hmm. and it's the same shit, like you don't even want to do it half the time. Like, I think part no. of it is, even if you're doing like, if you're trying to get more explosive or you're trying to get stronger, change, like change up the lifts, change up the volume, the frequency. I don't know. Like keep it, keep it fun because the athlete has to look forward to, to training because it's every day. Like if it's boring, their effort like without them knowing, but they might be going through the motions a bit without even realizing it. Yeah, that's true. So let, let me ask for me. I got Romaine in the car here. Let's ask for another opinion here. Romaine. So we got a rider here that came to us with a question. He's 32. He's looking for some more things to do in his training other than, you know, just going to the track and doing his box sprints. What would you suggest? Um, um, I don't know. Just, uh, Try to find new stuff to do at the track. Um, not do only like you, you. You you can't always go to the track and do your warm up. You do a second straight and then you go to the gate. Just don't do that. It's just boring and you have to to do other stuff. Try to have fun with I don't know exercise, different exercise on your bike and then um, and then at the gym, like James was saying, um, not doing always the same thing. I think remains yeah. like right, do, right. remains just like dude squat. Full squat, 220 kilos all day. Dude, so this guy, Romain over here, he's in the gym squatting like 190, acting like it's just casual. Like he's popping off 180 for no big deal, and 180 is my one rep max. I'm just getting rattled over here. Romain's a fucking horse. He is a freaking horse. We're calling you a horse right now. You're a freaking horse, Romain. (laughs) Has Romain been pulling? Yeah, he's been pulling. He worked me. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. Do you just go lane? You just went lane six and seven all day, probably with his like forty-five, fifteen. He runs. Yeah, dude, he's dude's on a forty-seven, seventeen right now, acting like it's a small gear. I'm like, bro, I'm like trying to work up to that. That's what I want to be on. He's just spinning the crap out of it. I'm I'm about to light this shit up. Yeah, remains a horse. (laughs) Too bad there's no Paris World Cup this year. Oh, I know. Thank God there's no Paris World Cup. We don't need eight eight French guys in the main at one time. I know. (laughs) Um, I saw we, we got a few more things here, but we should get to Caroline because we can cover the last few things after. Because Caroline, she has to, we have to catch her before she goes to the gym. Yeah, I think that's a, a good idea. Let's All get right. her online. All right. Hopefully this works. This is the first time we're calling a couple people off our thing. <laughs> we got this. We got this. I think it's working. Yeah. This is why we got this badass mix of people. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, Safi called me too, so I didn't interrupt him. We'll try Caroline again. <laughs> Caroline's busy. Who knows? She might be in a meeting right now or something. If she doesn't answer, then we we'll all know. She- Go ahead. We'll continue on our stuff. If she doesn't answer, we'll try calling her in a bit again. Learn. Caroline is one of those riders who's made a great name for herself, not just in the sport, but in like uh, mountain bike and BMX cycling in general. When it comes to sponsors, she does a great job on social media. I think I always try to you know take tips, see what she's up to. You know. Okay, so she didn't answer. So uh, yeah, right on. <laughs> we'll call her back. We'll call her back in a bit. So I was thinking today, um, there's a bunch of uh, ex like top riders that are retired now, um, and now mm-hmm. we're coaching because you got. You got like Sam, Liam, Jaspers, uh, Vanderbeesen, uh, Venner Wildenberg. You got Matt Cameron, 
Joey Bradford, Massa, and obviously I'm missing some names, but those are the first ones that came to mind. So out of all the retired BMXers that are now coaches and coaches to some really good riders and have done a really good job, um, who would you want to work with? Like, obviously you work with Bob. So say besides Bob. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think if I was trying to pick a coach to work with, I'd try to maybe switch it up to someone that is has a different approach to things, maybe. Um, my big thing right now in training is having a group to ride with. So if it's one or two other riders just to work together with, I think that's huge for me. So I look at the groups like the Dutchies, um, like Liam's group, that have a good amount of riders. And I think that would be a great atmosphere to train in. So like, I think someone like Liam would be great. Um, but it, it seems like a common theme that a bunch of these coaches are, are making sure they get a few riders to come on board so that all the athletes help each other out. Yeah, I think it's just key. Like, I think to, to push each other, you need to work with other people or ride with other riders. The times when mm-hmm. me and Connor were with PH and we were doing every session together, just ramped up the intensity and made our training that much better. Mm-hmm. I think it shows how... Um, how unique our sport is when a lot of our coaches are ex racers. Um, obviously anybody that knows how to, I guess, train an athlete in the gym can help us be better sprinters, get stronger in the gym, yada, yada. But to know how to improve things on the bike, you, you need a, a BMX specific coach. I think for that. Yeah. hundred percent agree. I don't see how someone who's never rode can teach you how to technically ride. Yeah. It's hard. Like, Obviously, I'm a big believer, and you don't have to know how to do the skills to be able to be a good coach. But yeah, I think in BMX, you definitely know have to understand how to perform them and know what it takes to be able to and pass that knowledge on to the next. Yeah, and I think um, if you haven't raced BMX, obviously you can help the riders. I mean, you can like a gym, a good gym coach or a good sprint coach or something like can help you get you strong and explosive. That's pretty universal across what track and field, BMX, everything. But you need someone who I think has race BMX to teach you how to with gate form and I don't know, jumping strategy, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's why a lot of, uh, the pros like Liam, Sam, and those guys would be really good coaches. Yeah, I agree. I really do agree with that. So I got a little distracted here. Romaine just took me for a drive along the beach on the gold coast here. And let me tell you, it is wonderful. You guys are just having a date over there. Just looking at all the chicks or what? Oh, we are just having a time (laughs) right now. Just cruising the beach. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think I'd probably work with Sam or Liam if if I had a choice. Yeah, I really I really think they have a lot of knowledge to pass on. The right because they have Sam obviously has been a rider that was at the top for basically his whole career. Uh, I view Liam as somebody who um, I didn't know him in his younger ages, but it seems like he made a change at one point in his life where he went to the track cycling for a bit and then came back to BMX and he started being dominant. And I think he definitely must have learned something something that worked to be able to come back and be as strong as he was and that's why i think he has some really good knowledge there yeah and i think um obviously they both had outstanding careers and are all timers so they would be able to help you with a bunch of stuff bmx related but they've also worked with awesome people like liam with british cycling i'm sure he's worked with some really smart people and um sam in australia mm-hmm. they have some of the best sports scientists in the world so i think you know when it comes to progressive training and a progressive approach i think um they'd both be really good at it yeah, it's a really good point. All I right. think when we... Oh, we got Carol ready? No, go ahead. she got two minutes. Go for it. All right. I was going to say, it's very... Um, not interesting, but to find a coach that's able to take a rider from someone who is maybe not at the top of their game, still learning a lot of things, and bring them to the top, 
I think that's, that's you. I, I view that as being a very good quality in a coach because it's a little easier to get a rider who's already been pretty successful. I mean, who understands a lot more things in the sport and then basically just take him up that little one notch to what it takes to be that top guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think you're totally right. And I think someone like Jaspers has done a really good job of that. Um, because you know, obviously he's had good riders like Tuan was fast before and Laura and stuff, but he seemed to be able to, and Joris Harmson, he seemed to be able to bring those bring those riders um up to an even higher level when they were already really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, and I, I think even with Tuan, like he he did this a thing where he, I mean, they reset basically. They basically started from ground ground zero again and built Tuan back up to, I mean, last year become the world champion. And I think that's huge. Yeah, and other Dutch riders he's worked with as well, like Mitchell and some other guys. Um, he's really helped him improve. So it's it's not a coincidence that um, he's had a lot of success as a coach because I think the way he approaches coaching and not just coaching them on the track, but um, being close to them and everything, I think works really well. Um, okay, so Caroline's calling on WhatsApp. So um, I'm going to decline this and call her on my iPad. <laughs> uh, classic. All right, I'm calling her. Hopefully, hopefully it works. You know, we started the show janky. We're starting this year janky. <laughs> Caroline, are you there? Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. Are we on? You're on. We're on. <laughs> What's up, Carol? Can you can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you guys fine. Oh, beautiful, James. Wonderful. It works. Fantastic. Well, James, That's what we like to hear. You're in my same country at the moment. I am. We could be in the. We, we could have gone to the gym together today. You said you're going to the gym. I just went to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> you're down south, though, close to the fires, aren't you? Uh, I'm in the. I'm on the Gold Coast now. Actually, I just got in yesterday. Ah, welcome, welcome. Well, we might join a track yeah. session tomorrow together. Then <laughs> we'll have to plan yeah, it that'd out. Yeah, that'd be fun. Caroline, do you have a, <laughs> are you just renting a place there, or where are you staying? Um, I well, it was kind of spur of the moment. I was meant to be in Shepparton with the team uh, this last week, and then the fires just escalated, and air quality um, in my hometown, Canberra, was the most unhealthy in the world uh, for about that whole entire week. So I just sort of decided last minute, come up here and get training on the Sleeman track, which is like in Brisbane and escape the smoke for a week. And then I'll head down to Bathurst. So I'm only here a couple more days. Yeah. I was talking to James. I was asking about the air quality and all the fires in Australia. It's horrific to see. Obviously it's affected the country a ton. Yeah, it has. Like, James, do you feel it when you were down south on those tracks? Like, could you understand the kind of the magnitude of it down there? Yeah, the the one day we rode, we had a lot of wind the day before. So we woke up the, the morning and it was like there was a smoke in the air everywhere. Like, you could feel it from the time you woke up. You just, you kind of feel a little bit dull. And I remember when we had our fires back in Canada in 2017, we kind of had the same thing where uh, you just kind of feel a little gloomy all day. That's how I felt. Yeah, a bit like sort of nauseous and flat. That's sort of, <laughs> yeah, the vibe I had too. So Yeah, you get some headaches too. Yeah. Get north. some headaches from the bad air and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely scary for our like country. Obviously, the athletes are complaining about the air quality being like 15 times the dangerous limit. And That's I just awful. heard from um, like Wade last night that all the foreigners with the timing of the Bathurst World Cup and the Shepparton, the two World Cups in Australia – all the foreigners are seeing their travel alerts and they're getting advised by the travel companies. Like it's not safe to travel to Australia. And, <laughs> Don't go. You know, everyone, <laughs> everyone's starting to freak out. But I mean, 
for the most part, like it's really a quarter of the country is on fire and the rest of it's okay. Um, but just the quarter of the country that's on fire is where the two World Cups are. So everyone's um, like, look, dude, I got, I got UCI points to get. <laughs> we'll, we'll risk it. What's 15 times bad air quality? Let's go. <laughs> Um, you're, you're just going to see people racing with the little air quality masks on under their helmet. Yeah, seriously. Everyone's <laughs> going to be wearing those masks around. Yeah. Yeah. Or like those um, yeah. things that open up your airways and <laughs> can't breathe properly. So, you, Caroline, you're back on the BMX bike now. How's it feel? It's been a while. Yeah, it does. It feels a while. I think it's kind of fitting with where you guys are at. We've just passed a decade. And for me, um, it feels like a big chapter has just sort of turned the last couple of years have been pretty chaotic with myself and injuries and um yeah I think in the end it ended up being two and a half years off a supercross hill from like the rock hill world championships through till my last race that I just had in New Zealand a UCI round so in two and a half years you definitely have some like rusty moments of finding your feet again um back on the circuit and back in the supercross rounds um so it feels good. Like I think as an athlete for me, it's been a little bit more challenging to not just get back on the bike. Your body knows how to ride a bike and tracks are virtually similar, if not the same, but um, more so just to, to come back into a sport where for me, I left off at a photo finish at the world championships against Elise Post and I'm coming back in with really like no expectation, ranked outside the top 50, haven't done a world cup in years and um you know, have spent the last uh, solid sort of six months trying to rebuild my health and life and um, body. So very, you know, reverse Olympic build up to what I've had over the last oh, 10 years prior of two Olympic cycles. So yeah, it's sort of where I'm at at the moment. It's, um, it's been refreshing in a sense and also like terrifying in the same sense. What's uh, What do you say has been the hardest challenge about um, coming back to BMX after a couple of years off? Um... I think just for me, it was more trying to build my body to be able to handle it again, Um, to know that I had the strength and obviously you've got to build the strength to then have your power. Um, And the strength was the the part that took the longest for me to sort of rebuild the body. I think once you sort of rebuild the body, the mind follows. And until um, I had my body and posture sort of coming back into it and feeling comfortable again then it was more about the mindset that then started shifting gears to to feel comfortable again and to really put that goal out for myself to say like I'd love to try qualify for you know Tokyo and Olympic Games and some you know coming in at the last minute from right into like the first few World Cups of the year and aiming for for finals and some of those top five positions to tick our qualifying markers that's um I'd say been the biggest challenge. So one, like putting myself out there to do it um, off the back of what I've been through and then just really just building, building the engine, building the horse again, which was lazy for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I think a lot of people don't realize how much work it actually takes to be at that top level again, especially after an injury. It's hard. Yeah. It takes a while. Um, but I think what we all sort of take for granted is when you're healthy and you're on a good run, you're on a good run. Um, and every year you tend to build on the next year. And for me, I had sort of in the years that I won all the, the world titles and had a really solid 10-year streak, um, you always had that base the year before. So 
you come into a season, you've already got that foundation from the year before and you just got to add the icing the next year and you add the icing, you add the cherry and, you know, <laughs> so you sort of take all of that away and um, just rebuild the whole recipe and you've got to been building that big cake lately. <laughs> so did you, when you started off again, did you, how, how much did you just start from scratch? Did you basically just reset completely, start from scratch and have just been working up since? Yeah, so this last surgery, which I just marked, like passed the year milestone in December and for the surgeons and everyone, that was a really big point to sort of say I'd not only gotten back on the bike and sort of rebuilt some of my strength, but I'd hit that safe point from a surgery and bone point of view that I wasn't going to break any more titanium plates. I wasn't going to back out any more bolts from my chest, um, that everything would have set by that point. So um that year milestone in December was a big personal sort of relief for me um, because prior to that I had had the first surgery, the titanium plate snapped, the second one the bolts had backed out and the third one they went, you know, <laughs> they pulled all stops to bring in the titanium, the plate again, um, the eight bolt system and then the two wires to cable my um, sternum together. So <laughs> Jesus, what a mess. Not- <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been a mess. I just <laughs> almost felt like those doctor operation games when you're younger and it's like, will this work? Oh, I'll just throw some cables in and I'm surprised like zip ties lining my chest at the moment. Um, <laughs> so how many surgeries did you end up how many surgeries did you end up getting? Uh in the end of the last two years it was twelve surgeries. Oh my god. Um, and like eleven anesthesias and so I think yeah, like that was also a big part of the rebuild too, was just the the effects on like your immune system and your health from going through the surgeries and anesthesias and things that you put your body through. Um, not to mention all the antibiotics that go with all those surgeries and you name it. So yeah, to also rebuild, um, my gut health and my general health and well-being, a part of that has been all part of the puzzle. So it's been quite a complex process. Um, which is what's made me so grateful just to, to be back on the bike in general and, for all these years, I'd always been so focused on like podiums and results and to strip all that away. It's like, it's just sick to be riding a bike again. And like to even be thinking that I'm signing up for, you know, to world cups and racing against the best girls in the world and giving it a crack. Like everything from this point on is such a bonus. Yeah. No kidding. I think injuries, injuries is where I think you learn the most and where you get to reflect and truly realize how much you love the sport, especially when, um, something like that gets taken away from you for a while. Yeah, you do. You really do miss the the small things and some of the, you know, the daily grind and the, the gate sessions of, you know, your, your local track and the banter and, you know, just the small things that go into part of BMX. Like that's really what I I missed at the end of the day. So I'm excited to be back. Yeah. No kidding. There's there's nothing like a local night just cutting your friends off. It's nothing beats that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Except. When you're, um, when you're coming back, I've definitely noticed too, like you guys would have had it. Um, you go through that definite constant battle of like where you were and versus where you are today and sort of being realistic with yourself and setting goals and expectations to rise. Um, but then being, you know, honest with where you are today. So that's sort of, that's also been another, um, mental hurdle for, for me to get over was being at the top end of my career for so long. And then, um, coming back in with 
the importance of having like high goals has helped me rise and rebuild my body and there's no higher goal than the Tokyo Olympic Games for me to say, well, that surely is going to build my mental aspect, build my body back up again, help my posture, like you name it. Um, and that really makes you step up but being patient through that process. Yeah, and that's really tough because obviously you remember – um, yourself on the bike you remember how it felt to to be winning world cups and world championships and everything and then now like when you're coming back and you you can't be at that level yet it gets really frustrating because you you know how your body can be but it's just not there yet yeah, yeah. Your, your mind plays tricks on you like what would you say tori would have been for you one of your hardest like injuries or moments where you're like is it worth it or like you know because you really do you know that it's going to be most of the time harder than the reward that comes from it. And that's part of, you know, the biggest reward is in that struggle to get through that time. Yeah. And then it, it definitely serves you better because, um, you come through it smarter and, um, obviously in, in BMX, we all accept the risk every time we go out that, um, that kind of stuff can happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously coming into Tokyo this year, it'll be your third Olympics. If you make the team, um, what are your first two Olympics? Like, let's start with London. London, um, so yeah, 2012, that was first Olympic Games for me. I came in, yeah, pretty good. I think I was like the world champ at the time. Australia had qualified two spots for the girls. We had the highest ranking of men and women. And as a nation, I think, you know, we had some really good training sessions together. A lot of the athletes were still based in Australia at that time. Um, And I remember like ticking all those boxes and, coming to that final moment just being so overwhelmed by executing that final Olympic final missed my timing of my gate and ended up racing around the track and finishing fifth spot so some huge lessons for me again like we just spoke about those uh hard times in your life or those losses that you have that's what propels you on to the successes and there's so much to um be realistic with yourself and take those moments to debrief write it down and then reach out in areas of your life um, that those you can really challenge those areas. So after the London Olympics, it was more of um, for me working on my gate starts and just to be able to handle, I think, um, the mental load of being the athlete, being the brand, being, you know, um, at the forefront of a nation as well and having the expectations of a nation and, endorsements and everything that comes with it at Olympic games, I knew that I had to rise to be able to handle that. Um, and that was where I sort of decided that I would put a bigger emphasis on mountain biking and BMX and having like a much higher workload. And with that higher workload, it then simplified what I did on the track, uh, in BMX interesting. and made that then seem, made that then seem easy. Yeah. Interesting. I think most people might feel overwhelmed doing, um, BMX and mountain bike. Oh, you guys cut out. Yeah, I was just saying, I think that's interesting because I think a lot of people uh, might be overwhelmed with having BMX and mountain bike, but you like doing both disciplines. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, there's, I think it's been more of a reset button. So anytime that, you know, I switch between BMX mountain bike, the skills crossover, there's so many parallels and similarities. And then there's events now like the Pump Track World Series with, the Red Bulls putting on where you can ride BMX or mountain bike. So a lot of the crossover and even some of the BMXs that have gone to Crankworks um, 
I think it's been one of the things that's been a big key aspect in my, my longevity in my career. Like I can't believe it, I'm turning 30 this year and, you know, you, you have those moments of like we've turned a decade, but, you know, I've been doing this since I was five years old and I'm almost 30. So, um, yeah, the, the longevity for me um, has, I think, kept me always hungry and motivated and it's always been fresh jumping between BMX and mountain biking. It's been a definite a challenge, but that's really sort of one thing that I thrive on. Not all athletes thrive on that diversity, um, but for me, I definitely like to not necessarily have such a set routine and be a little bit more free-flowing with with my life and my training. I think that variety you have is being able to do both. I think that would be really, like you said, beneficial for keeping things fresh. Do you feel like uh, one of the disciplines um, translated over to the other discipline more than the other? Because I've always been a big believer that when you can ride a BMX well, trying to, or switching over to mountain bike or pump track or even downhill, um, it makes it very easy if you already have the skills on a BMX bike. Is that something you found too? Yeah, well, you kind of look at a lot of the other sports and so many athletes that have gone to track velodrome cycling. I know that Anna Mears, she's like, you know, one of our top Olympic gold medalists in track cycling. She started on BMX. You got Anniki Beaton, she's a top mountain bike athlete. She started in BMX. You go across to like road racing and track cycling and so many of their routes really started from our sports. So um, I think it's a big part that success leaves clues and to so many parents out there um, looking at the top athletes that are around today and where they began and to see that, you know, the pathway of BMX can lead you to so many other sports, but then so many other sports can benefit what you do. We've had the likes of myself, Jared Gabes, athletes that have jumped back and forward and diversified their career a little bit. And that's really helped them sustain pathways to, to go on from Olympic games and that they can be more after, you know, potentially that end point for some people's careers. Do you find it also opens more doors, um, sponsorship, endorsement, that kind of thing, if you um, diversify yourself and are into two disciplines? Yeah, I think, well, that's for me, it's what's really been one of the biggest blessings through going through these injuries over the last two years is fortunately I didn't lose any of my sponsors, none of my contracts changed, um, and any of my contingencies and sort of podium bonuses that I did have just transferred into salary and for that that was one of the biggest moments that I'd realized like I'm so grateful that I'd put the effort that I had into building my career and I'd had honestly like I'd had a bit of slack like growing up it's um to put yourself out there to be the one who's not only promoting yourself but really promoting the sport heavily um I remember some of the older guys in that age group of the Kaylin Youngs, the Cammers and everyone, they were, they didn't understand this little girl that was like doing race reports and like building my own website. And I remember like, you know, Cycling Australia and people were like, why are you building your own website? Like we, we, <laughs> we have your profile already online. And so, you know, there was like, <laughs> there was lots of hurdles for me, but I think the foundation that I was able to build from that to then, have so much in motion behind the scenes outside of BMX for, for my brand and things that I have going on. That's really what saved me when my life did turn and I couldn't be on the bike for two years. I couldn't do what I do. I sort of had that moment of like, you know, my identity really isn't a eight time BMX world champion anymore. Like 
I have so many other areas that I can give back to my scholarship girls, whether it's inspiring girls through my kids' book series or signature product. Um, that was really the foundation which has helped me. So I have to like say to anyone um, coming through, especially BMXs, you've got to think about the what ifs, like this isn't forever and you can be on a really good train but also be aware like injuries can strike and it's so important to to work on the brand and building those relationships with some amazing sponsors because they've been the ones that I can't thank enough that, you know, have sort of said, we know you'll be back, we don't know when and I sort of had those moments of like I came back but then had a surgery complication again and then came back and another one and, you know, every time they've sort of gone, you know, we're still here, we're still going to support you um, and that's like I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, it's it's been really impressive, honestly, Caroline, how you've been able to to brand yourself over the years and into um, what you have now. And I think a lot of us can can learn from that because I think myself too. Like when I was racing, and um, a lot of people in BMX and sport, they they don't focus on that. They just focus on going fast or doing their sport. And um, there's so many more opportunities you can um, give yourself if you're if you're willing to brand yourself that way. Um, curious, how did you? How'd you learn how to do that? Did you have some guidance at a young age or did you kind of just do it naturally or how'd you get into that kind of thing? Yeah, I did. It's like I had a lot of support and like as you would see with your deals that you have external as well, like I know you have Lululemon. So surely like that's refreshing for you to have that external support and to be able to collaborate with other athletes and be outside that BMX can tend to be like a little bit of a bubble, same with cycling. For sure, yeah. Um, like you would have felt to be able to collaborate further um, is really, you know, the opportunities you can have. But it's sort of um, – I was fortunate. My dad was in marketing and my parents run their own business and um, they guided me from the beginning. But I think naturally too, I was just always curious to see how far that I could push myself. And my my parents always said, you know, it's going to be hard to create a, a career out of BMX when it wasn't an Olympic sport at that point. Like there wasn't necessarily girls in Australia that were making good money out of the career or even being able to call it a full-time career. They had jobs. So, um, yeah, I think I was motivated by the challenge. And then once I saw the snowball um, effect of seeing the results um, and then the ability that I was able to not only do that, but be a role model and to give back and to start with more of the foundations and scholarships. And that was what gave me so much more energy um, to continue. So I think it's just been sort of more by trial and error and throwing myself out there and, and having um, some really good people. I went through some managements, which I found, the old school managements that take a percentage, they actually really didn't work for me. And then I found a company called Think Tank um, three years ago and they like helped me on a retainer. So it's more like a business relationship and I pay them um, 20 hours a month to help me with everything. <laughs> and yeah, I think that that's been a huge part of actually delivering and then making sure that I can still be an athlete and, and train and, and ride my bike and let everything go in the background so you can invest into yourself and your career. And my dad always said that he's like, as an individual athlete in a sport, um, like us, what we are in BMX, um, to invest back into yourself and your brand will help you in the long run. Um, so I think that's some of the best advice that I had from my dad when 
I was sort of caught up wanting to invest in like, do I get an investment property or do I try to do these things that like, you know, your friends are doing and just like normal public are doing. And um, no, it's a big asset, I think, to invest into yourself if you really want to make a career in, in our sport. I think that's really cool, just the whole um, image you've basically created for yourself. Because like you said, like uh, when you when you don't have the results, when you're stuck with an injury, these all these companies are stuck on board. And we live in such a, a social media frenzy world now that you can be a, a racer that has results and has a sponsor, or you can be someone who's just good on social media. Um, but someone like yourself has, has had both. And when the, the results weren't there because, you're, because of the injuries, I mean, you just took over social media and your sponsors were very much okay with that, I guess. I think that's great. That's so cool to see. Yeah, you need to provide value in, in different ways. And James, like we've talked about it before. Like, I guess if you're mm-hmm. killing it at races and stuff, that's all fine. But that's only going to be a small portion of your life. Like if you can build out your brand like Caroline has while you can, I think it can benefit you for years and years after you finish racing. Like racing can only be a small part of your journey. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And like, yeah, I mean, it's just that full, having the full image of every, like having a, a full package basically to provide that's huge. And it, it's hard to do, I think. Um, and it takes some kind of getting out there and putting yourself out there like and Caroline has. And, and, but once you do that, I think people see the real you and that's, that's huge. And especially with the Olympics coming around, like it opens a whole lot of other doors too, hasn't it, Caroline? Like I'm sure you've met other cool athletes in Australia and have had some opportunities to meet some pretty cool people along the way. Yeah, I I think it's been part of what's really what's made me tick over the years is everyone sort of says, oh, you're doing too much or, you know, you're missing pieces of the puzzle. And um, for me, that's been so much of the energy and just what I look back on my career to go, I've had some insane moments and, and opportunities to not only travel the world, race in cool places, but be a part with some major companies in the world like Harley Davidson and ride some unique places across the world. Um, and I think that's so much of the reward too. It's not all about podiums. So, yeah, um, for me from here, I think one of the steps for athletes that are thinking about like how you can market yourself and how you can brand it one, it's really putting yourself out there and being unique and authentic and consistent. I think they're like the three pillars which are going to establish who you are, who you align yourself with and where you're going to end up for the future. Um, but it's the relationship side of when I had my time off the bike too, it was speaking to brands like Fast House, which is the gear clothing company, for example, I ride for. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be off for the next nine months. Like, no, I'm not pregnant. Um, actually, I'm injured. <laughs> but, I've got, but I've got nine months. Like, you know, what can I do? And they, um, they sort of said, oh, we've actually got some events like Mammoth Motocross, completely different industry, but similar parallels of two worlds. You know, would you like to come and help out our, our stall and be there? And I remember I sold my first hat and put it through the system and I was like, I've never had a job in my life. This is weird, but like so rewarding, you know? Yeah. So I remember like processing hats and thinking like, okay, this is like the real world. This is sick. I love helping my sponsors, but at the same time, maybe really motivated to be like, I love being that. <laughs> Let's get I on do. the bike. So, yeah. <laughs> let me get on the bike. It's cool selling hats, but all right, guys. Um, yeah. And to go to like Sea Auto, which is another big cycling festival and sort of help out the booth there and be around. So, really the relationships as well that you build 
the industry is changing, like brands are trying to figure out what to do next and athletes are those driving factors that can help the brands actually execute their marketing objectives, their campaigns they want to reach. So having those honest conversations and being like, you know, what can we work on? Um, And that was what I really did with a few of the companies through my time off and it just happened to be, for me, my biggest focuses were investing into the next three years of my girls' scholarship programs and um, found a company that put up $30,000 towards making sure that five grand each girl, two girls a year, um, I would support them from Australia at the national championships through to the Worlds. And that's part of my Buchanan Next Gen movement. So, yeah, investing into to that and then my kids' book series and getting – um, a publisher, a writer, an illustrator, getting it on Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, sort of all of the um, dropship around the world. That was a whole nother thing too. So yeah, integrating the what your sponsors want and need, and then figuring out how you can do it. So yeah, it, it's I think it's good. It's part of like the business outside of the sport, which has I've really thrived on the last couple of years when I've been off two wheels. Um, but I've, I've missed two wheels. So, so then to be back <laughs> between all this stuff, how did you um, get into BMX freestyle? Cause obviously you're racing and then you were, I've done mountain bike off and on. Um, but then you were in BMX freestyle for a bit as well. Yeah, I was. Um, so that kind of was like another bold goal of mine. Um, <laughs> I wanted to actually compete in Tokyo in two sports. So that'd be sick after my, after my first injury, um, and my first six months off the bike before the titanium plate snapped in my chest, uh, I'd sort of said to myself, like, I saw an opportunity to be able to do both. And I was fortunate at the time my backyard was set up soprano spot with all of the ramps and things I needed. So I started that journey and learnt sort of more of the backflips, 360s, flares, which is like a backflip 180, um, and different variations and was able to compete at the world cup series which is the fees event they call it in china got a top 10 result and then qualified through the world championships in china um, as well and got another top 10 result into the final so um it was i loved it like that was i'd say more of a hard challenge to transfer from what i'd done to freestyle bmx versus to mountain biking completely different like just your aerial awareness um the way that you move on the bike and to learn the freestyle versus just that straight um strength and power and timing of of bmx uh it was crazy like you'd go into sessions and i remember thinking like i'm padded up and i've got my ankle braces on my shin guards my knee pads my elbow pads (laughs) your armor like oh my god my long sleeve because the resi burns you and um thinking like you know you know you're gonna crash Minimum 15, 20 times a session. I remember when I was like learning flares, I was like, I would get to 10 crashes at like in that day. And if that session, then I'd pull the pin. (laughs) Like (laughs) that is so different to BMX. Like you spend most of your, you know, if you have like one or two crashes a year in BMX, like that's bad. That's enough. (laughs) Um, uh, So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, For me, it took another turning point just, after that I hadn't given my chest enough time to heal before I took on that crazy goal and don't know at what point the titanium plate in my chest did snap I remember hearing it prior to um oh, one of the Craigworks mountain bike events um and just pushed through so they sort of said 
you know, if you keep bending a piece of metal, it's eventually going to snap. It's like a paperclip. So they said it never had set from the beginning. And um, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned from the first one was to get two or three different opinions um, always when anything comes to do with medical. Don't just believe like the first doctor you speak to. Um, always get two or three opinions and then always rescan. Um, we didn't rescan after my first surgery. So I went off your normal rule of thumb sort of recovery of, you know, it's about five months. Like you should be able to return to the bike now. Um, and it wasn't quite set. So if I'd had the time and sort of done that rescan and given myself another probably three, four months and reached that nine month mark, um, then my body would have been healed and ready for, for freestyle and what I did. So, um, when I went into my second full chest recon surgery, which it was really daunting again, like not only was I then going back under with a lot of, I think the scariest moment was, uh, every time I'd go into those chest surgeries, you sign a dotted line that says, you know, are you prepared for 50% mortality rate if anything goes wrong Jesus. or if you have uh Like, no, infection. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I'm not, but doctor, tell me when I can ride my bike again, you know? So you kind of like, you sign it and you're like, so if I sign this, this goes good, like I can ride my bike again soon, right? And he's like, you're crazy. Um <laughs> Yeah, so um, <laughs> those moments of being like, I'm, you know, prepared to put my body through this, hope that we don't have any infections in my sternum, hope that the cable wires don't hit my heart or anything. I'd already punched my heart wall in the accident, don't want to do it again. Um, yeah, you know, wow. I signed it away. And, and I, <laughs> Punctured and, your heart and on, went, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and you go through the whole process again. So, yeah. Uh, once I'd gone through that and sort of woken up from those surgeries and knew that I was looking at another nine months recovery minimum again, um, I sort of said to myself, like, I would have loved to have done freestyle BMX, but the timing wasn't really capable with my body and I needed to focus on just one thing. Um, and for me, it was Sayas Kakibara doing so well and Australia doing really well, Lauren Reynolds super consistent on the World Cup circuit. Australia's doing really well in points and I was like, if there's any opportunity to go to another Olympics, I think my best chance will be in BMX racing and sort of made that decision. And, um, yeah, over the last sort of three months of being back on the bike, um, it was a progression from being on the road bike initially, um, until I could withstand some of the forces through my chest and then to the mountain bike and to the BMX. So through the stepping stones, um, now back on, on, yeah, racing, past that year milestone of being safe and um, really in the last, I'd say, eight weeks have found some more solid strength gains, ability to finally be under a bar in the gym and hold some weight through my chest again. So it's re refreshing and the simple things um, have been really empowering um, after what I've gone through. So having been through two Olympic cycles already, how do you think – what have you learned that maybe is going to help you through this Olympic cycle? Because like you said, you have a lot of sponsors and um, you're pretty known now, especially in sport and everything. And um, yeah, having been through two Olympic cycles, how do you, how are you going to handle the expectations and, and maybe what have you learned that you're going to be better off now because of. I think what I've really like, what let me down the first two Olympic games was not having as much of like a healthy balance and healthy relationship with sport. 
Um, I was very much consumed by our sport. Like I eat, slept, breathed, wanting to win every World Cup, every time trial, World Champ, Olympics. Like I went into a mindset every race of I want nothing but number one. Um, And I don't necessarily think that's like the healthiest thing for me at the time. I was super motivated, but um, internally it put a lot of pressure on myself. I think some athletes thrive internally, some athletes thrive on external pressures I find for myself the external pressures of sponsors um, endorsements and things that I've had outside of the industry I think that's been more of an accountability factor and it's been motivation but it hasn't necessarily been like what I thrive on I'm like really naturally a competitive athlete and I have been since I started at the age of five and and got into the sport um so for me coming into this Olympic Games, it's been more of the healthy balance um, with the sport that coming in from a mindset to begin with that I might not make this Olympic Games. And I was very honest with myself uh, when I set this goal with myself to say, you know, if you can get back on that start gate, that's like the, that's number one goal ticked. Um, and then, you know, make a final, it's number two. And so I kind of go from there because um, over the past couple of years, my goals have been, you know, to do five push-ups again because I couldn't even do one. Right. So, um, yeah, for anyone coming through, I think it's create a bit more of balance within your life um, to not really necessarily have like sport consume everything you do, to have those external influences, to have things that you've got going on outside of sport, to have a crossover of, you know, doing the two dis- different disciplines. I know within um, Australia and different sports now, they're really encouraging athletics to do multiple events in swimming, to do different things. Uh, I think it's helping athletes really be the performer that they are and not sweat (laughs) the ninth pedal stroke down the hill. Did I get that extra (laughs) crank? And like, you know how BMX is, it's like you could just be so consumed in it. Um, Yeah. So I think the healthy balance and then – really I'm just going to rely coming into these next sort of world cups a lot on trusting the experience and knowledge that I've had of racing um, to Olympic cycles already knowing that uh, Olympic build-up and pressure and that you've just got to follow the system tick the boxes perform when you need to perform and then to go into Olympic games and and execute versus choke which I sort of did the first (laughs) olympic games and crash the second one <laughs> yeah and that's that's kind of the mindset I, I took heading into rio like beginning of 2016 i was pretty consumed and obsessed with with everything i was doing in bmx and that's all i ever thought about and um and did and like the last couple of months between the worlds and the olympics i i focused on having some more balance in my life and hung out with some friends and um kind of made sure i had a life away from bmx and it, it really helped me on the track especially because in the olympic year especially there's so much external craziness and everything going on that um it can overconsume you quickly yeah it can would would you say that an injury for you helped you in that mindset shift or was it just a maturity in the sport yeah like we were talking about earlier probably i broke my ankle really bad at the end of 2014 like in four places at the grands and then um, i was off for six months and at that point in time like it could have been a career-ending injury they weren't sure if that was ever gonna you have the same strength like in my leg and ankle and have the same range of motion and be able to handle the training and everything so 
I got through, I came back in mid 2015 and then did really well actually the rest of the year, but I never felt like I was a hundred percent or anything. And then heading into 2016, like over that off season, I kind of was real with myself and was like, look, this might be as good as you get. Like you might not get back to the, the point you want to get. So just train as hard as you can do the best you can and don't get frustrated with yourself if you're not where you were. Cause you, you might not just physically be able to do that. And then, so that's like, I kind of took the pressure off myself and that expectation and the frustration we were talking about earlier. And, um, it really helped. Yeah. It, it really helped. And I could, I could ride more freely and stuff. And, um, that combined with, I think just maturing and realizing that no matter what, my family's going to love me. I'm still going to have my friends. It kind of is just a race at the end of the day and kind of keeping things in perspective really helped me. Yeah. And I think for so many BMX kids coming up that, you know, whether they're like nine novice and it's like everything that they're like life, you know, at that point for you, I know you did every other sport growing up. And I know like I did so many sports. I think I like listened to one of your like other podcasts and you said you were like 18, 19 before you really put your life and soul into like BMX. Yeah. Yeah. I played hockey until I was probably 18. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of not only the longevity, but just being a good athlete. Like a, you look at a, like a least post top world champion. She did gymnastics for majority of her life and athletics. And, you know, I think that's helped her get out of so many crashes and, and be the performer that she is at the same time. So yeah, I think for the, the future of our sport, there needs to be a lot more kids coming through that do BMX, but try some other sports, like get into weightlifting, like CrossFit, like, do things um I really think Desiree Barnes is like a great example in Australia coming through she's a young up-and-comer she's talented motivated doesn't we all don't know like where the direction the sport's going gonna go it might not be in the long Olympics long term um but yeah she's competing in weightlifting at an Australian sort of level now she's doing BMX and she's also doing track velodrome so for her I think she's an athlete who has a bright future and um, for anyone coming through to establish what you what you like and if there's other avenues um, that you might want to go, open those doors and and do it. It's only going to help your body and your mind and, and sort of your future too. Yeah, you see a lot of kids specializing at a young age and they can get burnt out quickly. Like James, you also did a bunch of other sports growing up. Yeah, I did. Like I played soccer when I was a kid, ski race, like played baseball I think when I was younger. Um, I think it, yeah, it provides a good variety and it helps me get older when you, even when you have injuries too, that you're, you're just more of an athletic person. You can adapt to more things by doing different exercises to kind of overcome different kind of situations or injuries or things like that. I think that's a huge part. Yeah. And it's cool to have other interests too. Like even if you're hell bent on BMX and you're going to the Olympics or whatever, it's still good to be able to. I don't know, go play golf on the weekend, play some pickup soccer, yeah. or just follow it on TV and kind of get away from it. I think, yeah, you yeah I don't think I had much balance when I was like first elite and stuff. I was just so obsessed with BMX and wanting to do well, but that'd probably be some advice I would give to a younger, a younger Tory or some younger people coming up is find some other things you enjoy and really detach from BMX when you can. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think you made a good, I really like what you said about like, just it's funny how when you have an injury, you really, you learn how to be honest with yourself and kind of reset where sometimes when you're in the moment, like, and you're trying to go after a goal, you're not always honest of what you need to fix or what you need to work on or where you're actually at. And uh, it doesn't come until you have an injury until you at least take a step back and you look at your whole program that you realize, okay, 
maybe I'm not where I need to be, but if I do these things, I will actually get there. In the moment, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I want to get a podium at this race. Well, as long as I make a main here, I'll, I'll be on track for podium. And then you don't and things don't work out, but you just keep, you keep chasing after that goal without resetting and realizing what you actually need to work on. Yeah, definitely. And life can throw you those reset moments through injury or, or other things. So no, I'm glad. I think that's sort of been my last 10 year reset to, to where <laughs> I am now with my friendships, um, you know, my relationship. And that was a few of the questions that came through online that I saw already. Um, that was another big hurdle for me over this last year was going through a divorce, um, which in a sport of BMX, it was obviously very public that I, you know, was with Barry the last 10 years. And um, that was another big shift for myself to, to then move out on my own and um, sort of recreate a new life for myself as well. And figure out, do I want to be in America? Do I want to be in Australia? So yeah, I moved into an apartment still in the same area um, in Temecula and, and just simplified my life. But it does, as you just mentioned, James, like the honesty that you get within yourself of um, what you want from your life, I think, and your values and standards and, and where you want to go mm-hmm. are really, are really questioned um, when you put in those hardship moments. So um refreshing from then and moving forward I think we're coming into Shepparton and Bathurst the two world cups in Australia like my opinion of the tracks I think they're very different to the rest of the world cup scenes that I've seen so far the hills are a little different you can sort of pedal through transitions which we haven't seen on other world cup tracks before um Bathurst is a big wide open sort of downhill uh track very like rolly you kind of got to jump pass where you think you've got to jump to actually get the, on the landing uh and i'm excited like what do you guys think about really the world cups that we're boost we're kicking off here in australia oh i can't wait to watch i can't wait to go back to australia um i think this year like most olympic years you see that it tightens up big time like i think a lot of other years there is some separation at world cups and for the world championships it gets a lot tighter and then i think for the olympic year everything just tightens up and um, you see the cream does rise to the top, but I think there's even less separation between people in the in the main that or go out in the quarters, I should say. James, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like in the other years leading up to the Olympic year, you have people that actually do find things that they need to work on that maybe set them back a little bit at the time, but uh, will help them in the future. And everybody's kind of planning around the, right now the 2020 season, so... By this point, everybody's found little things that they can improve on that are going to make them the best they can be. So you're right. Everything just gets that little bit tighter um, when it comes to racing, and that's what makes it so exciting this year. And then you, you also just got you got so many people that have these, let's say, hopes and dreams that they're putting everything on the line this year. The other years, they're, they'll take a, they'll, totally they won't true, take the yeah. risk maybe, but yeah, this year they're like, they'll risk it all. Everyone's going to go for everything kind of thing. <laughs> then at the Olympics, everyone's like, I'm just going to go for it or die. <laughs> I made it through it. We're going for it. <laughs> That's literally the first day in Rio when we race. I'm just going to go for it or die. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. That was something like uh, start through that. when you literally, when you get to the Olympics, that's like, it's, it's pretty gnarly racing. Everyone's noticeably more nervous too. Do you notice that Caroline? Yeah. More nervous. And it's like, by the time you get to Olympics, so many of the, the way that the country's qualifying goes like, you don't have the amount of riders. It's not necessarily as like your semifinals or for us women, 
you guys, it's probably your eights. But, you know, you have less of the top because if America qualifies, Australia qualifies, you've weaned out like some of the top riders just because of the criteria um, to make it to the Olympics. So it's not, it's obviously a hard race, but it's still mm. a little bit easier in some aspects, the qualifying process of going through quarters, semis, finals um, at an Olympic Games. But you've got that added pressure that it is Olympic Games and the hype and everything goes into it. And yeah, it does. It feels like a bit of a war. Like it has had <laughs> those, those moments um, for sure. Um, we know you got to get going soon, Caroline, but um, James, do you have anything else before we get into some quick shots? Uh, well, first, I guess just one quick one here. Well, actually, it's not very quick. But so, what are your <laughs> plans moving forward here, Caroline? Like, uh, obviously, you talk about uh, focusing more on BMX now. Uh, are you still planning to do some mountain bike here and there, or is until the Olympics are you just all BMX? Or what's going on there? Yeah, well, for the next six months, like coming into the Olympics, I'm putting every part of me that I can um, into trying to qualify for the Olympics. It's definitely a long shot um the i'm really fortunate that australia has at the moment qualified two spots it's not guaranteed um but we also have three really solid riders so with saya um lauren reynolds and obviously myself you just never know and i know it's going to be a very hard task for myself but i'm sort of ready to to do it and results are going to be the answer as to whether i do stamp that position for myself so that's a little bit unknown um, at the moment, but I know that I'll be out there banging bars and doing my best shot to do it, um, which is exciting. It's sort of definitely refreshing and it's a bit of a reverse build up to the position that I've been over the last two Olympic cycles. Um, but from there, I'll cross back into mountain biking and uh, different events like Crankworks and I want to do the Red Bull Pump Track World Champs um, after Olympics as well. I've just become the face of Sea Otter, sort of helping promoting Sea Otter is like a big cycling um, event that happens at a Laguna Seca, one of the raceways in the States. Um, and it's become more of the, the interbike, I guess, like the big trade show of the States. That's now moved um, to Sea Otter to the event. So Australia just announced that in October we're going to have um, a Sea Otter in my hometown in Canberra. So, yeah, that's going to involve sort of pump track, slalom, bit more of the the dirt jumping and and downhill in different events so a cycling event of all two wheels that's kind of post-olympics more what i'll i'll be focusing on a bit more crossover a couple of things with the pit bike events um down in ozx in australia some of the little celebrity kind of fun race things so my calendar for the rest of the year is everything two wheels but um sort of taking a back seat again after Olympics, I think, on, on racing and not and just going back to what I what I do best and what I love and that's being out of race all different categories of two wheels and keep the calendar fun. That's it. Good for you. Anything else, James, before we get some, some fan questions? Uh no, we got some questions here from the fans. So let's hop into the uh the quick shots. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar nice. Caroline, just fan questions that we'll try to rapid fire for you and you answer away. Yeah, just short answer questions in there from fans that sent them in. Um, oh, hell yeah. Cool. Go, James. All right. Um, from HTW, best part of the Olympics for you? Uh, I mean, I love the closing ceremony. <laughs> like, Except Rio was so cold and raining. 
Yeah. And like, but for London, I don't know, it's just that moment of like accomplishment. The event's over, you're at this iconic event and it's when everything sinks in of what you've achieved. So yeah, I mean, that closing ceremony moment is pretty epic. I would have loved to go to an opening ceremony too. That'd been cool. Um, yeah, should switch it around. Yeah. There's a balance. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Jamie674, best memory of racing so far? Ooh. You know what? I think it sticks out really like in my mind. I've always loved racing Mariana Pahan and she's the one that is almost the hardest to beat because like you don't want to you don't want to pass her. She's such a sweetie. Um, but at the same time, I'd say <laughs> the track, we had a race in Berlin years ago. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you passed it was, it was a World time. Cup. And I passed on the last turn and the, the track was just unique and different. There was wood features. We had like a little spine in there. It was the turns and we had like transfers. I remember we had like a hip jump and just it was, um yeah, if anyone wants to do like a throwback, I know the Berlin World Cup Supercross track. That was one of my favorite tracks of um, probably all time. And then, yeah, to be able to pass, do a more of a mountain bike style, like flat turn on the last corner and in the rain and, and pass Mariana was probably one of my more like highlights of, of racing for sure seriously that was one of your favorite tracks we said in the last show that was the worst track of the decade <laughs> I loved it. are you I serious loved it. oh my god what did you like about it just the uniqueness of it like it was challenging it was hard to ride it wasn't um standard like i think a lot of the tracks now they're so standard you know you're going to turn up the same start hill virtually the same first jump um i love that diversity and Maybe that's like the mountain biker in me that, that likes going. And I look back at those like X Games tracks like prior to, you know, when BMX was Olympic sport. I remember it was like Salt Lake City and there was a, the first jump came off the bottom of the ramp. Just little things like that. I mean, those elements of the sport, that's sort of, that's more what I thrive on and I love. Um, the sport's gone in a little bit of a, more of a different direction to have that um, structure and the rest of the world's replicated these courses, but. No, I love it. I think that was the best track of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Agree to disagree. <laughs> I'm going to go back and light that track on fire. Um, from Hugo Oliveira, 51. Favorite salty food and favorite sweet food? Ooh, salty food. Hash browns with a lot of salt. Sweet food. Probably like, yeah, any kind of fruit. Strawberries. Do you have a, yeah. do you have a sweet tooth with desserts? No, that's such an American Canadian thing. Um, I'd say Aussies are more like salty, like flavor. We like our Vegemite and yeah, that's, more uh, of a salty sort of. That stuff's vile. Delicious. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, from Hassel 65, what drives your passion for the sport? Ooh, I think the challenge and to continue to surprise yourself with your ability. So just the internal motivation. Um, yeah. I mean, our sport is constantly like changing and different. Every race is different. So yeah, I'll just say the challenge and, and the opportunity to also create a difference in the sport. Like I've wanted to create a big legacy and that's been um, a part of why I've put so much into you know, the girls and like $76,000 I've put in so far to Buchanan Next Gen to help these girls get to the world championships. And um, that's a huge driver of mine. 
just the legacy side. From TT Photography 70, what advice would you give a 15-year-old girl on her Olympic development program with her own? Okay, yeah. What would you give? What advice would you give a 15-year-old girl on the Olympic <laughs> development program? Okay, um, flat pedals, <laughs> ride different bikes, get out there, work on your skills, go to skate parks, jump into foam pits, like work on putting yourself in situations that you're uncomfortable and like learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I think as a girl, the fear aspect holds girls back. I think the skill aspect holds girls back. Um, and then, yeah, from a, from a branding side, just it comes back to those like sort of pillars again of being consistent, being unique and authentic um, for, you know, your social media. Don't just follow the crowd. That's, that's good advice. That's a good one. All right, from Sloan under, underscore Twisted Co. Uh, what's your favorite activity outside of BMX racing? Um, coffee. How ironic. <laughs> <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah, coffee. Like, I love a good oat milk latte. We also have one here. Um, how awesome was it to ride the Hell Track replica? What part was your favorite or sketched you out? Ooh, okay, sketchy. Definitely the hill. I think it was the favorite moment because that was just the iconic part of Hell Track. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, for yeah, growing up, like I always watched BMX Bandits. I always watched Rad. I always watched all these shows. Um, but to be able to go to the replica in Texas and ride the track, uh, that start hill, the G out at the bottom, basically made you want to fold your hands off the bars when you hit the bottom. It was sort of twice as steep as a supercross ramp and sort of four times the amount of G out at the bottom. So that was the sketchiest moment just to hold on, dropping in that hill. Um, and no, that was iconic. I can't believe they had to shut it down already. James, you were um, boy. I thought, you, I, thought you, I thought we lost you for a second. So uh, things have been kicking in, in, uh, in and out a bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, no. I'm Jamie underscore six seven four. Best memory from racing BMX. I think we already asked Best that. Memory. One. Well, yeah. yeah, I think we kind of said that. We, with, oh, that overlap. I think we already asked that one. It probably Olympic games. I mean, okay, to well, go to two Olympic games already is, yeah, a little girl dream. Anything else, James? I think that's pretty much it, huh? That's pretty much it. We had a lot of the same questions and luckily you were able to answer a lot of the questions in our discussion. So that was great. Also just saw your comment back to that one guy on the photo. Oh, that's one of the best comments I've ever seen. Looked extremely short when you walked out my door for the last time. Uh, I've had a hell of a six months. Oh. <laughs> I was laughing in, inside. Do you see that James? Epic. I just did. Oh my god! <laughs> Fantastic! Awesome! Thanks! Thanks! Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Caroline. It was really fun to chat, and uh, it was, it was good to hear about your story a bit. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you. Maybe the track tomorrow. I think we've got a session with the Japanese crew at Sleeman. So I don't know. Message me, James. Yeah, Might go, get a session going. Go cut James off. Yeah, apparently. Okay, I'll message you. I don't know when I'm riding yet, so I got to message you and find out. Okay, cool. 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. There you go. Thanks, Caroline. We'll see you in Australia. Thanks, guys. See you later. Later. Caroline Buchanan, everyone. That was a hell of an interview. Wow, hell of an interview. I was a little bit in and out there with the uh, the service here, but it was great to hear just 
so much about her recovery and what it's taken to kind of come back and what her goals are now. She, she really, she's been gone for a little while. Hey. Yeah. She's an impressive person. Like it was really interesting to hear about how she's branded herself and stuff. Like a lot of us in BMX haven't done that. Like vast, like pretty much no one's done that, honestly, besides a few people. No, no one has. It besides a few people. And she's done an incredible job. Like she's so valuable to, uh, to companies, not just on the track, but off the track. And she's really created a really good career for herself and set her up. I think, yeah, like she's, like I said, she's a good example for, um, us to look for when it comes to branding, that kind of thing. It's, it's really impressive what she's done. Honestly, it is. She's got the full package. And I think it really just shows when she was talking about how through all the injuries, the company's kept continuing to say like, we know you're going to be back. We got you. Like we got, we were supporting you. Like, don't worry about it. And I think it's because she's branded herself so well. She does so well for those companies outside of just the racing scene or the mountain bike scene, like her presence with on social media. She has a book she's come out with. She does like her, um, what was the, uh, with the, the younger riders supporting them financially. Yeah. Like she's, you know, been able to fund them. I mean, just everything together. She just has such a good package to offer. Yeah, totally. And like we've talked about before, like you either have to kill it on the track or, or promote well off the track and she does both. So that's why she's so valuable. Yeah. That's, that's why she's, uh, I'm, I'm assuming well paid, you know, she, she does it all. It's, you know what it, I wish I would have done some of that um, when I was racing, especially when I was younger. I mean, I was just so focused on racing. I didn't really put much effort into like branding or pro self-promotion or that kind of stuff. I just kind of, I did like whatever posts and stuff, but that's just such a small part of it. Um, but it's yeah. hard. Like naturally I wasn't into doing that. I didn't really care before. And like, it's, it's hard to do that, especially if you don't have someone helping you or anything. So it's, it's awesome that she, kind of started that at a young age. I, I would give yeah. advice like that to some like kids growing up. I think they should, they need to get on that kind of stuff too. Like, like she has. Yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree. I think also it's just, it's tough too. like, like anything in life, like to dive right in and try to do as much as she was doing, you get burnt out right away. You need to like slowly build yourself into all that because even myself today, like I think we go through times where I'm very active on social media or the times where I'm just like, I really want to focus on training and, it's hard to find that right balance because you start to try to do more on the social media side and then you feel like you don't have downtime or don't have time to rest and recover from training. And then you go through times where you're like, Hey, now I need to, I'm resting so much. I need to do some social media work and blah, blah, blah. It's good. You need to find that balance because it, it, it is tough sometimes. For sure. And I, now that I'm not racing, obviously that's like all I do. So <laughs> I can put more effort. I can put more <laughs> big, effort. Big social media guy. Huge content guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can put more effort into it now, but I'm still learning how to do it. Like it's still not a natural or comfortable thing for me. Like I still feel like a bit awkward or uncomfortable doing it sometimes because you have to put yourself out there and it's hard, but I'm trying to do a better job at it now, especially because I, um, you know, I'm still ambassador for answering S squared and Toyota and Lou lemon and stuff. So I, I need to, um, do that kind of thing, but also enjoy it now. Like it's a challenge and, um, I'm doing my best, yeah. best at it, but yeah, I think advice for, for riders coming up is kind of learn how to do that and start stepping outside your comfort zone with that and trying to maximize yourself off the track as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my parents kind of, yeah, t- my, my parents kind of told me that when I was younger, but I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I got this, Greg. Don't worry about yeah. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is it, you don't, like, I had no idea. You don't really understand it though. You know? No, I completely understand. Like, even to this day, like sometimes I go, like, like I said, like you just don't realize that putting yourself out there and being honest with other like people in the world on social media, it makes a difference. It makes people, you know, understand who you are 
um, enjoy following you and, you know, seeing you progress in whatever you're doing. <laughs> and side note, how about Caroline roasting Barry on our Coffee Chatter comments? Oh my God, I never saw that. I'm going to remain didn't see it either. Incredible. Dude, I didn't see it either. Absolutely incredible. I was trying not to. He just erupt in laughter when she was talking because I was like looking through the comments trying to find some quick shots and I saw her comment. Phenomenal. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh my God. So I liked it on Coffee. How can you not like that comment? How could, how could you not? Oh never, my God. That, that was yeah, fantastic. Hilarious. Fantastic. You know what? There's one question we never got to ask her. What's that? What color bike she's going to ride? Nick Long put this in the uh, the quick shots. What color bike is she going to ride if she makes it to Tokyo? I know. Then, I was, you know, last time she rode a gold bike. I don't know. I saw that. I saw yeah Nick's comment, but I didn't ask it because it's like it's so far away. Like I'm sure she doesn't exactly. Th- not even thinking about that far away. Like we got we haven't even started the World Cup season yet. What color Olympic bike can ride? No, we can't. Exactly. We can't ask that. Yeah, we didn't want to do that. No, I mean, like, I really, no, like I'm, no, literally nobody's thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're, th- uh, if you're really think- am curious to see if you're thinking about what color bike you're riding for the Olympics before the World Cup season starts, you're a little ahead of yourself. Yeah, you need to cool your jet set. Yeah, like, not Nick. Nick. Nick was just making a joke, but <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. thinking that, you need to cool your jet. No, yeah, set. yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see how she does in the World Cup scene again. Obviously, like it's it's been a while. Um, I know she's been to a few races now, and she sounds like she's been getting back in the gym, full time training now. So. I'm curious to see where she's at. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where she's at. Um, yeah, you know, it's so hard. Like, I, I don't know. She could come out super fast on podium, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you honestly, know? no, I wouldn't either. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if she got motored either, just because it's her first race back in years. Yeah, first race back. I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't make the main. I wouldn't be surprised if she won. I wouldn't, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. Hell, I'm going to get her in the rider's corner, though, for sure. Oh, you got to. Yeah, she's gonna she's actually. A fan no, favorite. Terry's corner. Terry's corner. We got it. Why don't you get UCI to change that? Yeah, we got to get UC- Riders corner. And Terry's corner with the riders. We got to start uh, the UCI corner or UCI Terry's corner. Yeah, we're gonna change the name. Ter- I'm gonna start hashtagging Terry's corner. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag commentary. Hashtag Terry's corner. Hashtag TV Terry. Hashtag forty nine. What? <laughs> Hashtag four. Oh yeah. Speaking of that, we got a we got a rant. You got a rant. Okay, it's not like a big rant because like I don't lose sleep over it. Not that we lose sleep. <laughs> not, not not that we lose sleep over any of these rants. But what no, is with, what is with people hashtagging their career number and everything? It's fucking ridiculous. Like you post a photo with your mom on Christmas and you'll be like hashtag my career number. Like what? Why? What are you doing? It's got nothing to do with BMX. Before I come on board on this rant, didn't we do this last week or what did we do last time? Did we do this last week? <laughs> either way that was last year this is a new year it doesn't matter I don't know if we did it last week I think we wanted to do it I can't remember if we did it we do so many podcasts <laughs> either way stop that but dude it's ridiculous like, what are you doing it doesn't look cool Just, what, what are you doing what are you doing like, I'm not going to post a picture with Sa- if, I'm not going to post a picture with Savvy at the beach and be like hashtag 49 no you're not going to do that Romain I'm going to ask Romain Romain if you go for coffee okay, are you going to take a picture and post hashtag 100 no, I wouldn't do that. No, because no, right? you know why? Because well, well, you know you why? Say that you should do that. No, no, this is a rant. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, you, you, you know, you know why? <laughs> you know why Romain's not going to do that? Because he's fucking normal. Yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. He understands. The cool is. <laughs> no, you don't hashtag your career number at the coffee shop. It's ridiculous. <laughs> unless, unless your cafe is called like the uh, 
the Cafe 100 or something, but that's different. Yeah, that is different. That is different. That is very different, yeah. I guess they're, yeah. they're trying to do some branding. Yeah, that's just true. We, you know, I think we need to start a, a coffee shop there. We've been saying this. It's, we're going to name it Coffee Chatter. It's just perfect. It is just perfect. We're going to put a studio in the back, we're gonna, like beside our roasting area. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to just extend the Coffee Chatter empire we have now. Yeah, I'm like honestly, though, we should really do this. I think we should. But like seriously, though, like we're gonna do it. If any investors are listening to this and want to just you know donate, or actually no, screw that. We're gonna invest with our company. We're doing it ourselves. It costs about a quarter of a million to start. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think it. I think like it'll. It'd probably be. I don't know, but I would guess like between two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand, probably to start. A coffee shop? I don't Damn know. Damn it! I still, I, I still, I still question whether I'm willing to pay for the extra guac on my my Chipotle. So, bro, why don't you? <laughs> uh, you, you better start winning some races, bro. <laughs> better, better pedal. Yeah. <laughs> um. Shit. Anything else before we before we wrap this one up? No, I think that's about it. We have been circling around the Gold Coast here, just going for the little drive because our our uh, Airbnb doesn't have AC yet. We're trying to work on getting air conditioning Dude. for it, but it doesn't have AC, so. We've just been cruising the gold. Are you shitting me? With AC on. Yes, dude, I Seriously. saw that. I saw that. You guys are yeah. just sitting in Australia just sweating balls. Oh my God, last night was brutal. I had the fan like right beside my bed just blowing on me. No covers on, just straight starfish on the bed. Dude, that sounds horrific. Yeah, yeah we're, we need to work and get it in AC. God, that sounds awful. Yeah, but it's all right. We're living on the Gold Coast. I ain't worried about it. We're, we're living, bro. We're living. Are you, uh, are you on Tinder down there? I mean, Romain made me get it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made me get it. <laughs> I mean, my hands were tied. My hands were tied. <laughs> There's nothing I could do about it. I mean, I just started, he, did, he made me swipe. I mean, you made me get Tinder, right? I didn't. You did. He just said I didn't. he did. I didn't. He just said he did. <laughs> Romain just throwing him under the bus in front of thousands of people. <laughs> Oh, dude, dude, you're in Gold Coast. That's like prime area. Yeah, it is. I'm I heard guessing. It's, honestly, it's beautiful. So much. There's so much beach here to go to. There's so many nice spots. Uh, I feel it kind of feels like Florida, but I would say a little like cleaner. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to the Gold Coast. With my family after the world's in Adelaide. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is, right? Eh? Yeah, it's super nice. I'm I'm really excited to come to Australia. I can't wait. Are you gonna bring your clubs? You know, I've been debating it. I don't know because I think between the ra- <laughs> between the races, I'm, I think I'm going to Sydney, so mm-hmm. I probably won't play it. Like just sightsee and stuff. Because um, Rich is going to be there too, so I think we probably sightsee. Um, I haven't got my okay. flight yet. I'll probably get it tomorrow or something. Um, I was just thinking I could probably stay with Jake Ferns, Ferns in Melbourne too, but I think I'll go to Sydney and yeah, I probably won't bring him. But I've had okay. a couple of people message me on Instagram, like, dude, bring your clubs. We'll play it. I'm like, well, shit. Now I need to bring them. <laughs> but hey, it's like, Europe, we're bringing the clubs. Bring them to Europe. But like, I play for, I'm going to play like every day for two weeks when I'm in San Diego and Phoenix. So I don't know. That's true. Yeah. But my, I don't know. My That's game's true. tight. I don't yeah. want to put the clubs away for like a week. My game's tight right now. Hey, it's like taking a break from injury. You know, maybe you reset. Maybe you find a part of your game that needs fixing and you just, you know, you learn to reset. I don't know, man. Right Who now. Who knows? The only thing missing from my game is my long putts. Cause it is, t- I, it's tight right now. <laughs> Kids working it. Yeah. It has been hot. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, bros. Well, that was a fun show. Thanks to Caroline Buchanan. Thanks yeah. to ProGate Europe. Winning starts at the Great Gate. Caroline's going to have a few of those this year. Um, prediction, does she win a World Cup this year? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, or podium. Honestly, we'll, I, we'll I don't with, answer it. We can go with podium. Yeah, podium. I think she could podium this year. Yeah, I think she will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if she wasn't on podiums. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect, like I said, it wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I don't expect it the first few races, but we got plenty of races coming up. So. Yeah, she'll, I think she'll be on the podium pretty soon. Yeah. All righty. Oh. You boys have fun down there. Right on. You boys have fun down there. Yeah. Thanks, pal. I hope, uh, I know we're probably going to have to do a couple more of these shows, you know, with the uh, the headphones here, but I can't wait for to have the, the setup again for our podcast. I know, me either. Me either. All right, bros. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. All right, thanks, Pat. See you, Later, buddy. guys.